The Altar of Sacrifice Christ and Calvary's cross were the antitypes or original elements of the heavenly sanctuary's altar, casting a shadow which protruded back to the ceremonial lambs of the typical altar of the typical sanctuary. The altar was the first in six articles of furniture in the Jewish temple. All six contained their specific ceremonial practices which were established by the first covenant confirmed between God and his people Israel that they may once again be reconciled to their God from sin. The altar's practices initiated the first phase of the atonement. Previously mentioned, every man seeking reconciliation was required to bring a lamb of a year old, place his hand on his head, confess his sins, and kill the innocent creature. The law also demanded that he burn and eat the flesh of the sacrifice. The typical lamb of the service represents Jesus, foreshadowing him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 through 14. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hmm. Psalms chapter 100 verse 3. Know ye that the Lord he is God? It is he that have made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are to follow Christ in laying down our lives in his footsteps as his sheep, that we may live in his grace through the sacrifice of his blood. This indeed is a great sacrifice for most. However, considering that Christ literally and willingly chose this path for us by his love for us, I would imagine that some might, by deep contrition of heart, choose the very same path he first chose for us. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless... I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. To die with Christ is to give ourselves as obedient lambs on the altar of sacrifice, yet only to live with him. As he conquered death from the grave and rose unto glory, we too share his victory over death by faith. The Laver Succeeding the altar of sacrifice, while still in the courtyard, the laver was a brass bowl which contained clean water and stood up at about waist length that the priest, after dealing with a messy work of blood, might have a place to wash their hands. Gospel Workers, page 162.2 The laver was placed between the altar and the congregation, that before they came into the presence of God in the sight of the congregation, 
they might wash their hands and their feet. What impression was this to make upon the people? It was to show them that every particle of dust must be put away before they could go into the presence of God. For he was so high and holy that unless they did comply with these conditions, death would follow. This also demonstrates how perfect our daily sacrifice must be in denying ourselves daily and continuing by faith in the newness of Christ's life to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. For an external or general perspective, the labor represents baptism by immersion, a public expression of your love in standing for Christ, like a marriage ceremony between a man and a woman. John chapter 3 verse 5 Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The expression, born of water here, is being referred to as baptism by immersion. The Table of Showbread The twelve loaves of bread on this article of furniture is symbolic of the body of Christ. John chapter 6 verse 35 And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. We also know from Scripture that this same Jesus Christ is the Word of God. John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1 verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Surely, we can remember that it is God who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And it is by faith that we receive Him in the first place. Generally, as we obey the voice of the Spirit, we receive Him by faith. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is the Holy Spirit who is also God. John chapter 6 verse 63 It is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What does this mean for us as it concerns our duty in the sanctuary? John chapter 6 verse 56 and 58 He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Without the Spirit of God dwelling in us by our continual feasting on his body, the Word, we cannot be led by him through faith to obey his commandments and live. So it is necessary to stay connected with the true vine, the Word of God, which is represented by the table of showbread. John chapter 15 verse 1 and 2 I am the true vine, 
and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. The Altar of Incense The same principle of the newness of life in Christ applies to this article of furniture. This altar, located directly opposite the entryway, was to be burning continually with sweet incense, representing our continuous work of offering to Christ our prayers, asking Him for divine aid to meet each day's stringent demands of self-denial. It is only through Christ's merits that we would ever be able to conquer trials and temptations. We sustain His livelihood in us not only through continual feasting on the bread of life, but also by consistent, active communion with Him by prayer. Let's face it, nature itself teaches us that it would be impossible to have a healthy relationship with anyone without effective communication. Listening or speaking only in and of themselves would prove to be ineffective. But a mingling of both elements coagulate into communion, an even exchange of listening and speaking. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. John chapter 15 verse 5 I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Could we truly abide in Christ if we were to remove even one element of communion from our experience with him? I'm sure it's very clear that no is the answer. The Golden Lampstand The Golden Lampstand represents the luminous righteousness of Christ. John chapter 9 verse 5 As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We are also referred to as the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 through 16 Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that is in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Remember that every article of furniture in the sanctuary attests to the plan of redemption. The services of the sanctuary are the order of salvation, the order of Christ's work and ministry on behalf of repentant sinners. As we mirror outwardly by conformity to Christ's work, the work which he had begun in us, in order of confession, repentance, and living faith, 
We manifest love and obedience to the commandments of God. We manifest the power of the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This confirms that there is only one way to salvation, as there is only one way to emit the righteousness of Christ, and is through the order of the sanctuary of which Jesus is the entrance. John chapter 10 verse 7 through 9 Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go on in and out and find pasture. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 40 Let all things be done decently and in order. John chapter 10 verse 1 Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. The practical way of letting Jesus' robe of righteousness shine through us is by overcoming trials and temptations. Every anchoring promise of his word, kept with fidelity in times of trouble, will imbue the victor's heart with the power of God. Even our adversaries then would find it difficult to appease their feelings of admiration evoked by our courage, similar to the circumstances of Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew boys. The Ark of the Covenant In the holiest apartment of the sanctuary, called the Most Holy Place, is home to the Ark of the Covenant. This place is where the atonement actually comes to completion and the sanctuary is finally cleansed for good. The ark is made of solid gold and contains the Decalogue, the law of God. Above the ark is the mercy seat, which represents God's throne. On either side of the mercy seat were two covering cherubs, which are angelic guardians of the throne and everything contained in the ark. Christ in his sanctuary, page 53.1 reads, Important truths concerning the atonement were taught the people by the yearly service. In the sin offerings presented during the year, a substitute had been accepted in the sinner's stead, but the blood of the victim had not made full atonement for the sin. It had only provided a means by which the sin was transferred to the sanctuary. By the offering of blood, the sinner acknowledged the authority of the law confessed the guilt of his transgression and expressed his faith in him who was to take away the sins of the world. But he was not entirely released from the condemnation of the law. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest, having taken an offering for the congregation, went into the most holy place with the blood and sprinkled it upon the mercy seat, above the tables of the law. Thus the claims of the law, which demanded the life of the sinner, 
was satisfied. Then, in his character of mediator, the priest took the sins upon himself and, leaving the sanctuary, he bore with him the burden of Israel's guilt. At the door of the tabernacle, he laid his hands upon the head of the scapegoat and confessed over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. And as the goat bearing these sins was sent away, they were with him regarded as forever separated from the people. Such was the service performed unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. In the antitypical day of atonement, we are to be found fasting and praying and afflicting our souls, putting an end to the works of sin in our flesh, overcoming sin by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus made this process practical for us when he met the enemy with the words, It is written. Every temptation encountered is an opportunity to cling to the word of God or the Holy Spirit, that he may upon our approval, by our relentless obedience to his influence, more powerfully manifest himself in us. If we follow the Master's example, his victory will be ours to partake of and if we remain in him until the end of probation, the time to be sealed either in Christ or in Satan, we will have our sins completely removed from the sanctuary and Satan will rightly receive them unto himself as our scapegoat. The Lord is coming back for a sinless church without guile in her mouth and blameless without a mediator. Be encouraged as he has not left us without a comfort of the gospel, the hope of salvation to every soul. We can do all things for Christ who strengthens us. The questions are, will we believe in his power to change us or will we doubt to make him a liar? While we may lie to ourselves and the devils may lie to us, it is written that in Romans chapter 3 verse 4, Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, in that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. The Lord does not require us to blindly trust him without the security of first understanding him or his power. Psalm chapter 34 verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. As we read and understand his words, he will provide us with opportunities to test the sound credibility of his promises. Reader, there is nothing to lose in attempting to know God and learning to trust him, but everything to gain. Contrarily to myopically or presumptuously evade such a privilege in regards to your interest may cost you your life. What a cost for mere carelessness. My prayer is that we all heed the voice of the Spirit that is able to make us wise unto salvation.